welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host. Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. So our keynote speaker today is the one and only Arthur Kemp. He is the Capital Allowances guy that you will have heard me talk so much about. Uh, you know, Arthur and Capital Allowances. What are Capital Allowances? Tax-free money, ultimately, for us serviced accommodation operators. So a lot of you come to me and you, you often say that, oh, well, we've had a capital allowances claim and it wasn't as great as you said, Kev. And quite often the problem with that is you didn't use Arthur. So if you want to get a big capital allowances claim, then go and see Arthur. Arthur will work with your accountant. Don't get your accountant to do your capital allowances claim. Get Arthur to work with your accountant and between you and your accountant, or if you haven't got an accountant. Arthur is also a qualified chartered accountant as well, so he can help you with your claim. So also, some people say, well, I did use a, a capital allowances surveyor and he worked, or he or she worked with my accountant and it still wasn't as big as you said. Yeah, but you didn't use Arthur. Okay, so there's a, there's a theme running through this. You want to get an awful lot of tax-free money from your service accommodation business. And by the way, if you want rent to SA properties, Profit share. I know Arthur's going to talk a little bit about this. Profit share type rent to SA or straight service combination management. Arthur can help you get those by working and explaining capital allowances to the owners of the property and the benefits to them of giving you the properties to use a service combination because of the massive tax savings that they can get. So are you ready for me to get Arthur up onto the stage? Yes and yes. Let's have a massive round of applause for Arthur Kemp, everyone. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Morning. How are we having fun today? Yeah. Ready for three hours of tax? Oh, not three hours. Okay, all right then. So um, what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to talk you through uh, the basics of capital allowances, what they are, why they're here, uh, and how you can apply those in your particular situations. Uh, I've got some examples later on as well, so you can put some real uh, numbers on that. I came to capital allowances really when I was the UK accounting manager for IKEA. And part of my role was to kind of forecast how much tax we were going to pay. So we, uh, we were sort of instructed by our head office to look at capital allowances. And at the time, IKEA had about £2 billion worth of commercial property. But we weren't being advised on capital allowances, how to claim them from our, uh, from our people. And so we went through an exercise where we, um, we sort of instructed a third-party company to do this. Uh, and they saved millions of pounds in tax, didn't pay tax for a number of years. And it sort of struck me then, if a big company like this isn't being advised properly, then what chance has the, the lesser property owner got? And so I sort of had an opportunity a few years later to set up a business and then basically tell everybody about capital allowances. Share the love, if you will. So that's, that's what I'm doing here today, sharing the knowledge. But don't take my word for it. So this is what HMRC say about capital allowances. So capital allowances, as a sort of history lesson, They've been around for about 140 years. 
So it's not some sort of new tax loophole that uh, professional footballers might be interested in. It's a genuine legislated for tax relief. Uh, so the revenue say on their website, they say you can claim these capital allowances when you buy assets that you use in your business. And they use certain phrases. One of the phrases they use is plant and machinery. So plant and machinery, you might be thinking, you know, that's diggers and tractors and silos and things. That's true. That is plant and machinery. But also in properties, there's other items which are deemed to be plant and machinery. And it's generally all of those second fix items. So once the structure of the property is done, it's everything, thank you, that's, uh, that makes the property work. That's what you're able to claim on. And as I say, I've got some, uh, some examples on there. So these allowances, you claim them against profits to reduce your taxable profits and save tax. That's basically how it works. Now, some of you, obviously, well, all of you, you'll be aware of what a profit and loss account is. Yeah, you know that you, for your business, you've got your income, you've got all of your expenditure, and hopefully at the bottom, uh, you've got a nice bit of profit there as well. Well, one of the lines in your profit and loss account will be for depreciation. So you'll have assets in your business, computers, cars, etc., and there'll be a line for depreciation. However, when your accountant comes to calculate how much tax you pay, depreciation is not a tax-deductible business expense. Instead, you get capital allowances. But not many people actually, you can't claim them automatically, they have to be identified and claimed separately. So some people like to think about capital allowances as tax-deductible business expenses uh, instead. I think you've just replaced these, oh, there you go. Uh, so whenever you spend money on a property, a certain amount of that will be plant and machinery, and that's what we look at. So if you think about the property life cycle, you'll buy a property first of all. So when you buy a property, you buy the land and you buy the structure, but you also buy that plant and machinery inside the property. You buy the bathroom and the wiring and the heating. So what we do is we effectively break down the purchase price of a property into its component parts, of which the plant and machinery bit uh, you can claim against uh, tax. But also, when you develop a property, you might extend it or replace items inside. That's more plant and machinery that you're buying, so therefore you can claim uh, more of or some of those items against profits as well. And depending on how your business is set up, depends on how you can claim the capital allowances. So very popular these days is setting up limited companies for your property, perfectly fine. The limited company itself will own the property and therefore can claim the allowances and reduce its corporation tax liability. Uh, if you have it owned as an individual or with a joint venture uh, with another individual, then you're each entitled to uh, your share of the profits and losses and capital allowances as well. Same as an LLP, each member within that LLP can claim their capital allowances. Um, and as I say, it's legislated for in the Capital Allowances Act 2001. I'll grant you, it's not the most riveting read in the world, but it does set out all the rules uh, regarding the, uh, the tax relief. And it doesn't matter what the planning status is of a property. So from a capital allowances point of view, it doesn't matter what the, if it's got planning, even if it has planning permission, it's how the property is traded, which is important. So as long as you can evidence the fact that it's traded as a serviced accommodation unit, then you're able to claim the capital allowances uh, on there. And here's one of the sexy things about capital allowances. Really important, certainly if you're in a job and uh, still working, building up your portfolio, you can use capital allowances from your property to get back tax that you've paid through your job. Well, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? You imagine going into work, your employer's taking PAYE off you every single month, and if you have a property that you're investing in, 
You can use the capital allowances using sideways loss relief and get the tax back that you've paid for your job. Who wants a cheque back from HMRC at the end of the year? Of course you do. It helps you reinvest that money into your property, build your portfolio quicker. So that's something quite powerful, especially if you're right at the start of your property journey using sideways loss relief. It's an extra, extra bit of cash for you there uh, on that one. So that's, that's kind of something quite interesting. So which properties qualify for capital allowances? Basically, any property where it's not somebody's main residence. So if it's somebody's main residence, if it's your, their main home, forget it. You can't claim allowances on that. Any other property will qualify. So typically, sort of commercial properties like this building easily qualify for capital allowances. Uh, B&Bs are great. Um, Mixed-use properties, obviously, lots of those tend to be retail on the ground floor, typically, and then flats above. Uh, you can claim for those and the flats as well if they're serviced accommodation flats. If they're regular buy-to-let flats, no, because that's somebody's main residence. You can't claim for those. And certainly, you can claim on houses generally if you're then going to convert them into service accommodation or holiday let properties. Uh, that's quite easy. And again, blocks of flats, the communal access areas you can claim, and again, the flats themselves if they're operating as serviced accommodation. So very often, somebody will buy generally a bigger, older house that's been broken up into flats, uh, and then all those flats operating as serviced accommodation, holiday lets, you can claim for those as well. Uh, and HMOs, they're quite important as well. There's been some recent changes in guidance relating to capital allowances on HMOs, which I can uh, talk about separately. Um, but HMOs, there's now a nice piece of case law which supports uh, all of those. I thought it's quite a good idea to sort of uh, differentiate the difference, differentiate the difference, identify the difference uh, between serviced accommodation and furnished holiday lets from a, from a capital allowances point of view. Because it's quite important and it's quite, um, it can have quite an impact on how you identify those and how quickly you can get this tax relief. Very basically, serviced accommodation is for everybody. So anybody that wants to stay there, whether they're professional or whether they're holiday, um, holiday goers, uh, short-term lets, obviously, as long as you're providing additional services to that property over and above just a, a regular furnished property, then you can claim capital allowances as a serviced accommodation property. The reason why that's important is because it goes somewhere different in your tax return than if it's a furnished holiday let. So serviced accommodation goes in the UK property section, and there you can use the allowances against any other income if that's relevant or important to you. Whereas a furnished holiday let, that has its own separate section in the tax return, and capital allowances for a holiday let are ring-fenced to that business. So you still get exactly the same amount of tax relief of capital allowances, the only difference being with serviced accommodation you can use those allowances against other income. If your main business is only serviced accommodation or holiday lets, that's fine. You still get all the tax relief, um, but it's, it's ring-fenced. So it's really important to sort of be aware of that. For serviced accommodation as well, you only have to trade the property for one day in a given tax year. So that's a big difference from a furnished holiday let. Serviced accommodation, one day in a tax year. Now you could say, to get all the tax relief, I'll get a property and I'll trade it as serviced accommodation from the 2nd of April, maybe to the 7th of April. So it spans two tax years, and you get two lots of tax relief. And that would be perfectly legal. However, I like to adopt the don't take the piss rule. Because if the revenue look at that and say, hold on a minute, you've only traded that property for the few days, but over two tax years, 
they won't accept it. It has to be a genuine trading business. Um, so even though the legislation says one day, you've got to do it in a, a kind of an ethical kind of way, should we say. Um, so that's serviced accommodation. Furnished holiday lets, I'm sure you're all aware of the rules for furnished holiday lets. Um, yeah, so regardless if it's a holiday let or serviced accommodation, you can claim a million pounds worth of capital allowances in the first year. It'll be about 25% of the purchase price of the property is what we're talking about. But for furnished holiday lets, the same thing uh, applies in terms of the value of capital allowances. Um, but you'll all be aware that for a furnished holiday let, the property has to be let for 105 days a year, available for 210. That's all quite straightforward, but it typically has to be let for, furnished, for holiday let makers, and then you can claim the capital allowances. So as long as it meets that criteria, it goes a furnished holiday let uh, in the tax return, but the allowances are ring-fenced. And I think it's just really important to highlight that point, given the fact that if you're at the start of your property journey and you want to use the allowances to get back the tax, you need to be looking at pure serviced accommodation, providing those additional services uh, on there as well. So just a sort of bit of background information to, uh, uh, to highlight for, for those. So now capital allowances in general, brilliant. Capital allowances are great because they allow you to do so many things. Knowing which properties to buy means that you can plan to not pay tax for a long time. Wouldn't it be brilliant if you're forecasting the various properties that you've got, thinking, right, I need to have this amount of properties, this much tax relief, I'm going to make this much profit, therefore I won't need to pay any tax because I've got these capital allowances available. You can plan for that. You can actually sit down and forecast, use the allowances uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen. So not to pay tax. That's the single biggest thing that capital allowances allow you to do. Because there's an inherent cash value around capital allowances, you can then factor that into your various projects to see if it makes them more profitable. So if, for example, you're looking at a particular deal where the return's five, six, seven, eight percent a year, once you factor in that there's tax relief available and that you won't need to pay any profits to the tax man or you can get some money back, all of a sudden that will increase the return on your net investment in the property. So that could make a particular project more valuable, more interesting to you as a, a property owner. Uh, and again, by knowing that you can use these allowances against other income, it helps you keep hold of more of your money, reinvest into your property uh, business and grow your business quicker. Uh, and again, being a smarter investor, it's really important, this business, because a lot of it's about knowledge. It's about what you know. And if you know something about capital allowances, know that certain properties are attractive to capital allowances, how to do it in a certain way. Not only will you look at deals in a slightly different way, you'll also... Uh, build your property portfolio better. You can share some of that information. Uh, for example, if you're doing rent to SA, you may not benefit from the capital allowances directly because it's not your property. But the landlord, he can certainly benefit from capital allowances because he's got the property that you're trading and there's a value to that. There's a money that, that's worth cash to the landlord. Wouldn't it be great to say to them, I'll run your property for serviced accommodation and the money that you get from me you won't have to pay any tax on that because you can claim those capital allowances against the profits that you're making. That's quite powerful, isn't it? That extra bit of knowledge that you've got that the person that you're in competition with hasn't got, then the, that landlord's more likely to go for you because you're, you're smarter and you're giving them something extra as well uh, on there. So capital allowances, it does cover a whole host of things. Um, and it's, it's, as I say, it's typically all of those second fixed items that you get in a property. 
So if you think about once the structure's built, everything that goes in there afterwards to make it work uh, is perfectly fine. Swimming pools are a great example. So we tend to do lots of holiday properties. Certainly abroad, you can still claim capital allowances for properties in Europe. Swimming pools qualify as plant and machinery, so they get great yields for holiday properties abroad. And I do have to pull rank sometimes if we have properties in Cyprus, just to go over there. I don't mind doing the surveys for those. That's not a problem. Um, and uh, fixed zoo cages as well. You know, what you guys get up to uh, is entirely up to you. But if you have any of those, I uh, kid you not, they're items of plant and machinery. And uh, a dry dock as well. I know you're all wealthy. Uh, if anyone's got a dry dock, your quid's in, because uh, it's, uh, it's an item of plant and machinery. And this is based on 140 years of case law of various things. And... Uh, as part of that case law, no word of a lie, a sheepdog is an item of plant and machinery. So if you have a working farm and you have a sheepdog, that qualifies. Not the sheep, that would be ridiculous, but the sheepdog <laughs> is actually uh, an item of plant and machinery. But these are the typical things that we see in a property every single day uh, on there. Let's try this again. So some people kind of think, well, okay, for uh, properties, some properties are going to yield more in terms of capital allowances. And it makes sense, right? Because... If you're buying a, uh, a warehouse, it's mostly fresh air. You know, there's not much plant and machinery in there. Whereas if you're buying a, a medical building or a guest house, B&B, they're normally pretty good. They tend to have lots of plant and machinery. So buying that particular property will yield you more capital allowances as part of your purchase. And this just gives you an idea of the, um, <clears throat> the sorts of yields that you can get from certain properties. What we've found as well, and you shouldn't underestimate this, is the development side of things. So very often, and I had a case recently uh, down in Swansea where somebody bought a property uh, in Uplands for £200,000 and then they spent another £200,000 developing it uh, into a six-bedroom uh, property there as well. And so the capital allowances on the purchase was great. Uh, it was about 20% or so. But the majority of the tax relief came from the development works because... Of that £200,000 development works, a lot of that was new bathrooms, new kitchens, uh, new plumbing, new wiring, new fire installation. A larger proportion of that money relates to plant and machinery. So therefore, you get a higher yield on your development works. So don't necessarily get focused on the purchase side of things. The overall project cost uh, is what should be considered on there. So that, that just kind of gives you uh, an idea here. So... I'll briefly talk through the claim process and one of the most important things I'll sort of spend a bit of time on. It's pretty straightforward in terms of once we've identified that there is an opportunity to claim capital allowances, an easy sort of desktop appraisal to say, here's your property, here's what we'd expect to find. Uh, the compliance side of things is really important and I'll talk to you about that um, briefly in that the rules changed in 2014 and now... You can only claim capital allowances once in a property's lifetime. Well, that's quite good because uh, it means that there's an opportunity to get all this tax relief. That's great. But then if you find the property that you like, you don't really want to have a conversation with the previous owner and say, have you claimed any capital allowances on this property? Because the previous owner will go, I've never heard of capital allowances, but thanks very much. I'll go and speak to my accountant and then maybe they'll claim the allowances that you were then banking on as part of your investment. So that's a bit of a problem. But fortunately for you guys, there's a complete database of everybody who's ever claimed any capital allowances. And that's good news. And the bad news is it's owned by HMRC, and they don't tell anybody 
uh, what it is or who's on there. And I know I've been trying for the last 13 years to get some information from them. And the onus of responsibility is on the tax claimant. So you as the property owners, you're the ones that have to do the due diligence to see if the previous owners have claimed. And this is where it becomes important because if the previous owner couldn't have claimed any allowances, then or you would get them automatically. So this is really useful. So if the previous owner couldn't have claimed any allowances, who are we kind of talking about there? Well, we're talking about people who buy or people who have normal residential properties, normal houses. They can't claim any allowances. So you, by default, get those when you buy the property. There's certain other uh, areas, sectors of society that don't pay tax. So the local government, the local authority, they don't pay tax. So any property that they're selling off, you automatically get the capital allowances on there. So I've got clients of mine that are actively buying fire stations, police stations that are in London, that are all too big, these old buildings are expensive, the local governments are selling them off. Buy those and you automatically get the capital allowances. And they're generally fairly well specced as well, so there's normally a lot of plant and machinery. Sometimes they're easy to convert into serviced accommodation uh, for the bigger projects, just to be aware uh, of those. Likewise, if you're buying a property that was owned by a pension fund, SIP or a SAS, uh, or a charity, they don't pay tax, so you automatically get the capital allowances. Most situations occur, though, when you're buying a property from an individual or from a company. And yes, if it was already trading, they may, or it's a commercial property, they may have claimed the capital allowances on there. So you need to kind of be a bit smart about that. Um, generally, we probably see of... 100 cases a year, probably one or two, the previous owner knows everything about capital allowances and they've sewn up the contract and there'll all be, sorts of, uh, there'll be all sorts of references to elections and uh, this sort of thing in there. So generally, um, most property transactions, the previous owners haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue about capital allowances, generally not interested. They want to get the sales price for their property and then get the money and then move on to the next thing that's in their life. So generally, we just put a, a small clause in the contract to say that they agree to pass any unclaimed allowances over to you, the new owner, and that satisfies that requirement. Uh, there's a small bit of work afterwards. But from today, I wanted you to take away that, yes, capital allowances are great. You can use them against other income. Brilliant. You can talk to the um, landlord if you're doing Rent to SA about it. But the compliance process, when you're buying a property, it's really important to get the capital allowances detailed, signed off at completion date. Uh, if it doesn't happen because you think the previous owner might be a bit savvy and could th throw a few spanners in the works, that's fine. There is another process where you can go through completion without agreement and then you can apply to a, tri a tax tribunal to get it agreed retrospectively. And you've got two years to do that. That sounds quite scary. In reality, it's more an admin process, but um, just to be aware that that, that is there uh, should you do it. So once the uh, due diligence is, um, is sort of undertaken and you've got everything signed off, obviously you need to go and do a survey. We need to identify everything that's there. Uh, and then the report that you get goes in your tax return. Uh, very straightforward um, on there as well. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so there you go. So this just sort of expands on this compliance side of things to say there's an agreement that has to be done within two years of uh, completion. Um, it should involve the accountants and the solicitors as well. Interestingly enough, I know certain people are suing solicitors for not advising their clients on the capital allowances over the last couple of years. Because imagine if you bought a property more than two years ago and you could have claimed the allowances if the right clauses were in there, 
but you didn't because your solicitor didn't advise you properly, if you've lost out on 20, 30, 40,000 pounds tax relief, there's a case to go back to your solicitor and say, I've potentially missed out on this. You haven't done your job properly. Um, so I know certain people are suing solicitors historically for capital allowances that they've missed out on. So just, just sort of be aware of that. It is quite a serious and quite a high value uh, thing to be done, uh, dealt with. There's certain things in the uh, property transactions that are useful. Something called CPSE inquiries, which is a, a standard document, more for commercial properties than residential. Um, but that's, uh, that sort of highlights if there are any capital allowances available or have been claimed. It's a useful document to be aware of. Again, more on commercial property transactions uh, on there as well. But just to be aware that it needs to be done properly when you're transacting the property. How you fill in your tax return, very straightforward on here. You fill it in your regular property section of your tax return. There's boxes in here, capital allowances, annual investment allowance. You claim that. And the most important box that you have if you have another job is this one. It's a box that's in there that says loss to be set off against other income. If there's nothing in that box, you can't use the allowances against other income. But if you're claiming capital allowances and you have that, make sure there's a number in that box and at your tax calculation, it'll say what refund that you're due. So really important if you're working and you pay tax and you have these properties um, that you make sure you get it in, in there. So capital allowances, brilliant. If you're in the position now where you're starting off your property journey, knowing about the allowances, knowing about which properties to buy and invest in, it's great. You can plan to maximise your tax relief. And if you already own some of these properties, either rent to SA, the landlord can benefit, <coughs> excuse me, uh, or if you um, have properties that you own yourself, you can claim capital allowances and you can even go back a couple of years. So the 1920 tax year, which I guess, like me, you probably all did it on the 31st of January, submitted it this year. Yeah. Then even though you've submitted it on 31st of January, you've still got another whole year to make changes to that tax return. So the 1920 tax year, tax return, you've got until the 31st of January 22 to make any changes to that to claim some tax back. So if you've been operating properties in that year, um, then you can get some tax back on that. And you could do that now, you could do that today. Um, again, looking at deals, looking at rent to SA, knowing that you as the, uh, the actual operator can't benefit, it's not your property. Um, but the landlords can benefit from the allowances. We can look at how much they can benefit uh, and they can factor that in as well. And as I said, because they are, there is a cash value with those, knowing that it can increase the return on your investment. So I've got a, a couple of examples here um, from dotted around the country. This is a, uh, a retail unit, mixed unit, use unit that was converted into uh, retail and serviced accommodation. About 265,000 was the whole project overall. The plant and machinery uh, value of that, based on a purchase claim and the development claim, was yeah, just over £80,000. So there's £80,000 worth of tax relief, and that individual will save about £32,000 in tax. Or look at it this way. This was, let's say this was the first property this person owned. They could start their serviced accommodation business with a tax loss of £82,000. If they're making £20,000 a year profit, that's four years before they'll start paying any tax. So you could think about it in that way. You do have the option as an individual to use that £82,000 against other income, or you can roll it forward to offset future profits uh, of your property business. So that just gives you an idea of the kind of numbers involved. This one uh, in the Midlands, look at the price of these. Very low price to get to market, to get into to this. 
the overall project to buy it and develop it, just over £200,000 into six serviced accommodation units. That is amazingly low. Um, great return as well. So the, the LLP structure that owned this property, there was £45,000 worth of allowances on there. So each member of the LLP was entitled to claim their share of the profits, losses and capital allowances against other income. And you can do it in kind of a different stages. So very often with LLP structures, one member's the money, right? So you've got one member who is the investor, one person's financing the deal, uh, and the other member is the, the operator, the one that's dealing with the project and the one that's setting it up and going to run the business. Perfectly typical, perfectly fair. As long as that LLP agreement says so, then, or it's structured in a certain way, the one that has the money, the investor, can use those allowances to get back any tax that they might have paid through, uh, through any other income they might have. It's another way for them to get money out of that deal quicker than just the return on the profit that they're going to get. So it's another incentive, another sort of quick payback uh, for an investor. So if you are doing joint ventures with people, knowing that the capital allowances could be paid back to the uh, investors quicker is uh, another, another option. So this is another property uh, which was, uh, yeah, it was a residential house and they bought it and it's being operated by another serviced accommodation provider. So the couple that owned it, they weren't interested, didn't know how to operate a serviced accommodation business, too much hard work, but they had the property, they had the money, and they, they found an operator. So the overall project bought and developed um, to the right spec, £605,000. It's a kind of a long-term project for them. So there's about £140,000 worth of capital allowances, £140,000 worth of plant and machinery, kitchens, boilers, radiators, all these things, door closers, um, fire systems, emergency lighting, all of those things that make the property work that came to about £140,000. So that's what they could use to offset future year's profits. So they were interested in long-term rental income. They started their serviced accommodation business with £140,000 loss. So if you as an operator uh, earning them £20,000 a year, seven years before they need to pay any tax. So it gives you an idea of the sort of numbers that um, potentially involve. This is a, an old bank up north of um, Edinburgh, uh, really nice, really nice old building. It'd been converted into, it was quite a complex project, converted into some residential flats, some serviced accommodation. They sold some of them off as well to help finance the project. Uh, it was a million pound project overall, net after they'd sold some off. Um, and the plant and machinery value, pretty good on a bank actually, um, and especially on the development works. Owned by, or set up and structured by a limited company. So the plant and machinery value hadn't quite finished when this was done, will be about 370, 380,000 pounds on that project. The majority of which are coming from the development works because um, it's quite a big building. They're putting lots of, lots of units inside. But this limited company was set up just for this project specifically. And it starts off with a 370,000 pounds tax loss. So again, they're forecasting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years in the future, looking at the profits they're going to make. They won't be paying tax for a good five or six years uh, on that as well. And that's great because that means that the directors, there's more money for the directors. They can pay themselves more money uh, rather than paying the tax on that. There's more cash for them to uh, get out of the business. So just to go over um, capital allowances uh, basics again, um, sideways loss relief. Brilliant. Really useful tool to know uh, if you're investing in these properties, you're in a position where you're paying tax, not necessarily you, maybe the uh, investor or the landlord you're working with, 
they could utilize from sideways loss relief. Um, but a really good uh, tax relief on there. Uh, it's legislated for, it's not some sort of fancy uh, loophole. As I said, it's all sort of governed and signed off, so that's, that's perfectly fine. HMO properties are great. Service accommodation, brilliant. Holiday lets, get commercial properties, uh, really good kind of um, properties on there. And a few years ago, HMRC did some analysis and they said 96%, 96% of property transactions hadn't maximized their capital allowances. Well, you know what that means? That's a great opportunity for you guys because people, as I said, people selling properties, they don't care. They don't know about capital allowances. They're losing out. So their ignorance is your gain. So whenever you're buying a property, just think about this tax relief, which is massive uh, and can have a real impact. Uh, and say so they lose out from their lack of knowledge. Some people think if you claim capital allowances today, perhaps it reduces the base price of your property. So I'm going to have more capital gains tax to pay in the future. Uh, completely doesn't apply. Capital gains tax and capital allowances are two different tax, uh, dif different tax types. So capital gains tax is a tax on the increase in value of an asset, whereas capital allowances is a tax relief against income. And they don't relate to each other at all. So whether you claim capital allowances or not, you'll still pay exactly the same capital gains tax when you sell the property. It doesn't mean you pay more. Um, it just means that you haven't claimed the tax relief. And the planning status of a property is completely irrelevant as well. I know in certain parts of the country, and you guys probably know more than I do on this, if you're going to operate a property as serviced accommodation for more than 90 days, you have to apply for different planning status of a property, I think, maybe more in London. Um, but yeah, that doesn't matter what the planning status is from a capital allowances point of view uh, on there. And also, between 8 and 150% of what you spend can be claimed as well. 150%? How can you spend 100 or claim 150% of what you uh, spend? Well, we've been talking mostly about plant and machinery allowances, which is kind of the, the everyday capital allowances, what, what we talk about every day. But there's a couple of other sexy little things you should be aware of. One is structure and buildings allowance. That's a new tax relief only for commercial properties, so only really relevant if you're doing mixed-use uh, type properties. But then there's something called land remediation relief. And I'll mention it briefly because it's the single biggest tax relief that the government offer. So has anybody here come across a property that might have Japanese knotweed in the garden and gone, no thanks, I'm not interested in that? Or maybe a bigger commercial property that's got asbestos? If you have, you may have run away. But any money you spend cleaning up contaminated land or buildings, you can claim 150% tax relief on. Uh, and it's really interesting to know, um, as I say, one of the good things is, as well as uh, using this tax relief and knowing about it and maybe buying properties that other people wouldn't, one, else, one other thing you can do with land remediation relief is you can surrender the value of that to HMRC in exchange for a tax credit. So I've just done something fairly similar in a project in Sheffield where that was, there was lots of asbestos. Uh, we did a land remediation relief. It came to about £90,000 or so. And because it's a new project, there's no profits at the moment. So we can't use that against profits. But we could surrender that £90,000 loss to HMRC in exchange for a tax credit. And so they got back the tax they would have saved on that as a check back from the revenue, which is, it works out about a quarter of your overall spend on the project but um, it's, it just helps with cash flow as well. So it's very valuable tax relief. Japanese knotweed, oil, uh, unexploded shells, for example, uh, they have the potential to do harm, so they qualify. Anything that, uh, anything that 
can cause harm is what you're able to claim on there. Oil's great as well. So just be aware, don't necessarily go to a property and think there's all these problems. There might be a tax angle uh, on there as well. There's also something else called enhanced capital allowances. I mean, as if they're not exciting enough, right? There's an enhanced version of capital allowances. And it relates really to energy efficient plant and machinery. So if you're doing a bigger project, uh, you might have ground source heat pumps or high temperature pellet burners or the like. Anything that's environmentally friendly, you get an additional tax relief on those as well. So just bear that in mind uh, when you come into your particular project. So just really to sum up, what we find is if, when claiming capital allowances, you can save tax of up to £28,000 for every £100,000 that you invest. So if you think about your next property, how much you're going to spend on that, if you think that you can save 28% of that up to in tax, it makes a massive return on your particular project. Uh, you can increase your return by up to 12% in year one. Again, that might make some projects more viable uh, than others. Um, and as I said, take away from today, when you're buying a property, if you don't adhere to these new rules which have been set up about agreeing the capital allowances with the seller, then potentially there might be no allowances available to you and no allowances available to anybody else uh, in the future. So I've gone over that. Capital allowance is a really big subject. I've just summarised a few bits on here which are kind of relevant to, to lots of people. I'm more than happy to share these slides or via Kevin or myself uh, if you want those or talk about uh, uh, anything on that. Um, it's a really big subject. It's quite complicated. Don't let it scare you though. More than happy to talk through any particular project that you've got just to make sure it's all done properly and you guys are, are maximising your tax relief. But um, thanks very much for, for listening to me. I'm sorry about the initial technical uh, issues on that. No problem. Clicker wasn't working that well. So for anyone listening on the podcast, if, uh, so how is the best way for them to contact you, Arthur? Yeah, so you can either contact me uh, via email, ak at exactca.co.uk, or go to the website, exactca.co.uk, um, or via the office phone number, 0845. Four six seven two seven six five. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. So actually, I, I got some some new stuff about capital allowances from that talk. So thank you very much for that. I'd quite like the idea of a of a tax refund <laughs> using um, the um, land remediation relief. That was absolutely fantastic. So hopefully you enjoyed that, everybody. I certainly did. As I say, anyone wants to reach out to Arthur, then by all means feel free to do that. Can I get a massive round of applause for Arthur Kemp, everyone? <laughs>